Hey listeners, you are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'm your host, Robert. And as usual, we got another good show for you tonight. We've got a possible call-in, a real notable guy, actually an alumni. And as usual, we're going to be, play, be playing some really cool music. So uh, let's get the show on the road. So sit back and let's fire up those engines. Okay, uh, listeners, uh, you're actually tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. That's uh, not Pink's, although that is the theme song. And now, for many of you guys, that name of the group is uh, The Nadas. The name of the song is Walk Away. 
And uh, usually if you listen to the radio show or to the TV show on speed, it's uh, they only play just a little bit of it at the beginning and some of it at the end, I believe. I believe. And I played that for my friends down at Sunshine Drag Strip. Hazley, if you're out there listening, Hazley Hood is the announcer out there. And there's a whole bunch of guys out there at uh, Sunshine uh, Drag Strip. That's over there off Elmerton Road. And uh, I guess it's still Clearwater, but that's Wednesday nights and they have Test and Tune Night. As a matter of fact, I think I'll probably head over there uh, later after the show. How are you doing tonight, Lee? I'm doing fine. How are you doing, Robert? When was the last time you were at a drag strip? <laughs> Since I was a teenager, man. <laughs> a teenager. Yeah. You know, I sit here. Here's my impersonation of Rush Limbaugh. And I, I come up with these scripts every once in a while, you know, like what I'm going to do on the show. But half the time I end up winging it anyway. So here's my impersonation of uh, David Letterman. Although, do we have a broken glass thing? So I can do. Okay. Ksh, that was broken glass. Anyway, um, let's see. What are we going to do tonight? Oh, yeah. We're just going to talk about some little odds and ends and some car stuff. I want to let you guys know again that if you uh, need some uh, consulting in your restoration projects or if you need an appraisal done or if you need uh, some pre-purchase inspections done, please feel free to email me at projectsgonebad at gmail.com. That's here in Clearwater, and I do travel all over the place. I'm fairly knowledgeable in cars. Also, uh, what else we got going on? Oh, yeah, we have a caller calling in here in a little bit. Probably another five or ten minutes or so, or less, hopefully. Um, but I was sitting here in front of the computer. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this website, but there's a website called Bring a Trailer. Um, it's called, a lot of people refer to it as BAT, Bring a Trailer. And uh, they got some really cool cars. As a matter of fact, I was just on there a few minutes ago because I'm on their list, their mailing list, so I get... Uh, um, you know, alerts all the time, and they've got a really cool 1969 AMX on there with a, a factory 394 speed car. Kind of a cool piece. And what's interesting, it says found here on Craigslist in Cupertino, California, for 10 grand. That's a super deal. Um, you know, it's a, a gold, champagne gold color, 69, good looking car. Um, doesn't really go into a lot of detail. Yes, it does. Um, probably has a gold pack package but for 10 grand uh, for 10 grand or less a 69 390 amx four-speed car that's a neat piece but anyway for you guys that are out there if you get a chance just kind of nose around on there also at the bottom of the uh the little article there a lot of times you'll have related posts so in this case for example it says 1969 bmw 2002 uh it'll tell you where that is if you click that on or in this case here's one that i like is i'm kind of fancy this car here it's a 69 de tomaso mangusta as a matter of fact, there's a, a rare one here in town that I've been chasing for quite a while. Here it goes. Striking 1969 De Tomaso Mangusta. It's in Atlanta. 89.9. So that's 90,000 bucks. Those cars have climbed. When those cars first hit the market here in the late 60s, I think there's 69. 68 was a prototype 16, at the Geneva Auto Show. And then uh, 69, 70, they wound up here in the United States. And then, of course, most people are probably familiar with the Pantera, which came out in actually late 70s, 71. That was around. Uh, doorknob car it's got the push button and then the 71 or the late 72 73 74 cars the u.s production cars had the pull door handles on it but this man's used this seems like a fairly neat car here um those cars have creeped up in value they're very rare most of them had 302 motors in them although i have heard stories where there was uh boss 302s that found their way in these cars then there was some other up uh, uh, big block conversions you could get 351s in them uh, the the uh, Pantera, however, it did come with, from the factory with a 351 Cleveland motor. And then the later ones, the 73, 74s, had the uh, detuned Cobra Jets. And, uh, and they make a really cool, there's a company out in California, I think it's Hall Pantera, and he makes a 427 FE motor conversion for those cars. 
and that just really uh, makes that car a screamer. Then puts it up there in the GT40 class, which basically you'd say a Pantera is kind of a poor man's GT40. Here you have this really stunning Italian-bodied car, um, very nicely done too. And then you put this uh, good old American reliable Ford 302 in it, or excuse me, 351 Cleveland, and the car does very, very well. Um, the early cars, the 71, 72 cars, 71 cars had some compression. They were 10.5 to 1, 10.7 to 1, and then 72, they de- you know, they were 8.5, and 73 and 4, I believe, the same. And uh, so that's kind of a cool piece. Um, any rate, hey, what we got? Uh, what, what song we got queued up next on our turntable there, Lee? We've got uh, Wild Nights by Van Morris. Yeah, let's fire that one up. Just a goldie but a goodie. All right, are you ready? Yeah. That's my timer going off. Uh-oh. To uh, call your guest. Very good. There's the window. Hang on. I need to go find that piece of paper and check that one more time. <laughs> All right.
Okay, I guess we got our caller there. Bob, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, how you doing? How things in Chicago? Well, it's a little warm, 90-some degrees. 90-some degrees. Well, welcome back to the show, and thanks for uh, calling in. <laughs> okay. So uh, let's pick up where we left off the last time. We were talking about some of the... Uh, some of your uh, your your racing connections back in the day there, so um, I think the old men. Matter of fact, I talked to one of them this week. Did you, Bob Keselowski, about his son getting whacked by Edwards there, second year in a row. Well, Bob was driving USAC up here. Yeah, he, uh, he never touched anybody his whole whole career, and here his son gets put out of the race on last lap two times now by Edwards. He was, Really upset about that. Huh. Uncalled for, you know. A little yep. more than the racing is, you know, that's racing. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the wrong words were spoken at the wrong time. Fortunately, nobody's hurt. Well, that's good. Uh, well, I, I, Bob's a real nice man. Uh-huh. I went down to uh, the guys down there, talked to Corky and those guys down at ART, Applied Racing Technology, oh, yeah. which uh, they're big sponsors of Edwards. And yeah, uh, Edwards, yeah. So uh, yeah, they're they're real enthusiastic about him. Well, he sure is showing everybody the way to go the last two years. Got their act together. When you got it, you got it. When you lose it, you're you're just like uh, uh, Anderson and Jason Line there. When you're one one hundredth, two one hundredths of a thousandth out of every race, it's hard to believe it's that competitive, but it is. Yeah, Mac Edwards is a real, real good driver. They got their act together. Who's their biggest sponsor? Besides, I mean, I know Applied Racing Technologies does some stuff for them, but who else they got as big sponsors on their car? Uh, anyway, something. I don't know. I think it's a uh, big construction firm. Uh-huh. Huh. Uh, it doesn't have a lot of advertisement on the car. Apparently, they don't need it. Who was it we were talking about last time? Uh, was it one of the uh, ne- nephews of the Granatellis? I know that uh, shortly thereafter I talked to you on the phone, and uh, you were at dinner with... Somebody, yeah. Um, there, there were... Uh, that's all uh, with Andy Granatelli. That was uh, Tom Pistoni, who's down south now, and uh, the Venturini family. Uh-huh. Ignoffel family. Yeah, Ignoffel. He was telling me that his... Grandfather invented the uh, mandrel bending machine. Well, his father. Oh, his, his father. father did. Well, that's interesting. That's awful. He, uh, he invented the the mandrel bender for doing the exhaust pipes and whatever else you make it into today. He still has the original one in his office. The prototype. You huh? to, yeah, you go over to his shop and there it is. They they used to own the uh, custom dual tone uh, muffler company. They used to sell those torpedo mufflers. To, Old Honest Charlie down there in in Tennessee. That's how it all started. He was telling me also that he was invo- They were that they built the original cherry bombs. Yeah, that's what they were called. Oh, okay. Matter of fact, uh, they they made a few again. Are they reproducing them again? They're building. Them, they're back on the market. Yeah, that's right. For nostalgia, he's they're not being He's not marketing the cherry bomb that you see out there today. But he's he's made some just like it. Oh, I see. Okay. And then who was he mentioned? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Very interesting the way it was all done. Nothing but fire, uh, like steel wool and some fiberglass on the inside and things. And they sold like crazy and sounded good. 
They did. I this. call them hillbilly mufflers. Hillbilly mufflers. <laughs> but people like them. Uh-huh. It's so popular because they fit a lot of applications because they're small and round and you know, have them big square things, you know. Like Flowmasters and uh, Magnaflows? Yeah. Right. Yeah, they they tuck nice and neatly underneath the car or underneath oh, the yeah. uh, up football. in there and it's nasty. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he also mentioned that he, uh, what, what was going on out in California? They had a subsidiary or one of his uncles is out in California making something? Uh, that I'm not sure of. I'm, I'm not sure what they had out there. Uh-huh. Okay. Manitelli was the, that's where I worked at when I was a kid at Grand Card. You go into Joe's office there at his shop and just walls and walls of Granatelli's success. Mm-hmm. And you just amazed, you know, only like, wow. Oh, yeah, my relative. But Granatelli, he used to make a car called the Fordelec. Took off the old 53 and 54 Fords and put caddy engines in them. And boy, they made a lot of them things. Fordelecs. Fordelecs, huh? Pop- yeah, Fordelec, yeah. <laughs> Real popular in the old days. Hey, we had a they guy. Were, go ahead. I'm sorry. They were good little runners, those things. There was, yeah, the engine was a good engine, yeah. So that was just a real popular hot rod, street rod, motor back yeah, like combination? The, yeah, like one of the first, you know, V8 hot rods because Chevy didn't have their V8 yet. and Everybody did it with the Ford, you know? Mm-hmm. That was an overhead valve motor, right? Yeah. The Ford Lock. Those were like 331 cubic inch caddy motors. I was talking to a guy that uh, in our area here is uh, actually he's a friend of mine too. His name's uh, Frank Ibell. He was involved in racing back in the day as well. And then in the late fifties, early sixties, he used to run around with a fifty-five Chevy, and he had a Buick motor in it. And for some reason, that this that thing just made all kinds of power. And I was talking to him about it, and he was just really, really impressed with the head design. You know, as like in the early fifties, like you're talking about, they used to run Cadillacs, in some cases the Oldsmobile motors, because the 49, 50, 51 Olds, that was a real popular changeover back then. And uh, I mean, that's kind of like, you know, when the flathead was the motor up until the overhead valve Cadillac and Oldsmobile motor came out. And then uh, in the in the late fifties, I guess uh, Frank was real impressed with the way the head design was because he said the secret's always in the head design. And I know you mentioned that to me one time before too. You know, this, the trick is you know you, you can build a bulletproof bottom end almost in any in any case any short block, but the trick is to get the you know, it's an air pump, it's the flow, it's to get the fuel yeah. and air mixture in and out as quickly as possible. And the head design is is the is the key to that. You know, getting it in, getting it out very well. And uh, so he had this Buick and this 55 Chevrolet, and he just had a reputation for just uh, basically blowing everybody's doors in for years and years and years. And he was very modest about it, but everybody that ran up against him was uh, uh, remembers the car very well. So that's kind of like one of the legendary cars in our area. He had a, a Buick stock car racer, Brian Tucker. He had uh, Buick-powered cars, and he, he built weight tanks into the four corners with steel shot, and when he would uh, take his car to the, to the roundy round race, he would uh, adjust his weight with the shot in little metal boxes on, on the different corners, depending what track he was at. And he had a Buick engine, and he, he was very successful, Brian Tucker. He had another guy, uh, Cadillac Don. He was a friend of uh, Al McKenzie, Cadillac racer. And Cadillac Don... He wasn't very successful 
with his Studebaker he raced. So the Cadillac engine looks very familiar to the old 289 Studebaker. And Cadillac Don took a water pump and sawed it in half and put it back together, took the valve covers, made the Studebaker valve covers fit the Caddy engine, and, and uh, he ran good. He didn't win. But uh, if they caught him cheating with that Cadillac motor, he'd, you know, he'd be disqualified. They all thought he had a Studebaker in there. <laughs> it was actually a Cadillac, 331 Cadillac. What kind of times was he turning back in those days with that motor? Oh, that was a, that was a circle track. They, oh, a circle track car? Right. Al McKenzie, he was an old man drag racer. He had a 51 Caddy 331. He built a stroker and made it a 365, which eventually the 365 replaced 331. They had a 671 supercharger on a 5,500 pound car, and they didn't have rear end gears in Cadillacs, and they but flower cars had 427 rear axles. <laughs> and he put that 427 rear end in this four door Cadillac with that supercharger, and I'll never ever forget the day I saw him run 1226 in that Cadillac. And when he got back in the city, his his famous trick was to get you in the back seat, go on a go on this street where he would race. He put a hundred dollar bill in the front seat, and you had to sit back. And if you could get over the front seat and grab the hundred dollar bill, it was yours in a two block area. And if you couldn't, you owed him the hundred. Oh, <laughs> and that big Cadillac, you know, I mean, there was two feet between the back seat and where you were at. When that thing took off, you you couldn't get up off the back seat. To grab the front seat to get that hundred, and he would take more hundred dollar bills from people that you couldn't imagine. A big heavy four door Cadillac. Well, he must. Cadillac Don had basically the same thing. He he had six by six wooden bumpers on his car while he was getting them replated. He'd drive around with his four door Caddy with these wooden bumpers in front and back, <laughs> and, and it, they would go to the kids with their fifty five sixes and sevens and. You will follow his like to race. These <laughs> old men would blow those guys away with them Cadillacs. <laughs> so, well, you know, it's funny because he must have started that trend because that story about, uh, you know, I'll set a $100 bill on a dash and uh, I'll take off it. If you can grab it, uh, it's yours. But uh, that's, a, that's a pretty famous story because he must have started that and then everybody followed suit after that because that, right. that story runs from California to New York to Florida to, to Maine. But that's a good story. Chicago there on North Avenue and Levitt. I know the area. It's all torn down now, but that's where you went, by the factories, so no one ever got in trouble. Huh. He ran that Cadillac at the old Chicago uh, uh, stockyards. They used to race cars on the inside. They had an eighth-mile track inside the stockyard, and you'd run inside and go out the open door. And uh, there's an old Pontiac racer named Hayden Prophet. He actually ran there, too. And when one guy got out of control and hit the building, then they stopped the race inside the stockyards. Actually, inside the building. Inside the building? Inside the building, and you ran out the open door. That was the eighth mile inside racing, yeah. Jeez. They have a lot of spectators for that? Oh, yeah. That place would fill up with fumes and everybody coughing and puffing. (laughs) (laughs) But it was interesting. So what are some of the other big... crazy things went on. What are some of the other uh, big-name guys that were around back then that used to do some of that stuff that, that got their roots in street racing and, and some of that small-time stuff that were around back then from your area or outlying areas? 
Hey, well, one of the one of the guys that was really early was uh, Arnie Arnie Beswick, and he's still around today, eighty years old. Mm-hmm. He had his uh, Pontiacs, but he raced the Dodge one day. I just happened to be there the day on Pontiac race day, and he showed up with a Dodge, and he he ran like twelve twenty six. I don't know how many miles an hour. A four door red Dodge Cross Ram four thirteen. And he says, you are living proof that I actually did that. He says, we got to watch you and save. He says, I was there. I saw it. I'll never forget the day. The red, red and black car. He says, yep. Because Chrysler tried to get him to switch over. Was the car? Uh, Mopars. Was the uh, Mopar lettered or anything like that for him? Oh, it was, was just it... a four-door. Just plain four-door. One of them ugly-looking Plymouths that they had. Oh, yeah? With those goofy wheels. Uh, single lights in the front and the little tiny... Single single light in the back, yeah. four door. Yeah. Well, that was a light, and it had a four twenty six max wedge in it. Is that what it had in it? Uh, 413. Oh, 413. Oh, four thirteen. Okay. All right. And probably a cross ram motor. Yeah, I ran good. That's you know twelve twenties was pretty good back in sixty two. Uh huh. My Pontiac didn't do that, so you put a gear in it. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I couldn't couldn't even get. I was in the 13s. When you bought the car, they'd give you the 389 gear with it in a, a wooden crate in the back in your trunk. Dealer option installed. You know, you couldn't buy it with it in it. Uh-huh. That 421, the aluminum front end thing, it wasn't really that fast. Neither were them 409, four and a quarters like they brag about them. None of them were really that fast. But you could make them fast, but not, not like the stuff you got today. One of them little WS6. Subarus will blow away all them muscle cars. <laughs> That's four door, little four-door Fink wagon. <laughs> but things have changed over the years, you know. What about up in, um, was it somebody, t- we had a guy call in uh, last week, actually he's been on the show before, he's the gentleman that's from Waukegan, Illinois. He was telling me, uh, telling us about a car that was uh, that used to race up your way, it was called the Haystacker. Does that ring a bell? Uh, it was, I guess he was a farm guy out there towards... Uh, oh, that, that's uh, Palmer Lazarus. Palmer Lazarus? Had a, a Willys, and then he had a 56 Chevy. Uh-huh. That's the guy that uh, knows he, that friend of yours down there in Florida, that uh, uh, that old man, when they raced, they raced in Kansas. Oh, knows Ward Blazer. Ward Blazer, yeah. Ward Blazer, yeah. Yeah, he, he, can... he, he, he Ward described the exact day. And Palmer described the same day to me. Well, Palmer passed away this year in January, you know, a legend around here. He used it. The last car he had, that 56 Chevy, he bought a 70 Nova. And he used to tow the 56 to the track with this Nova. And uh, then he, the last 25 years, he would drive this Nova to the local tracks here change the tires, change the shocks, and go out and run 990s with it. Jeez. 90 drove it there. And that's back then? No, that was just last year he did Oh, that. just last year. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I gotcha. But he did it for about 10 years. Drive the thing right to the track with his... And then, I think he had a 48 gear, so he'd, you know, he'd only go along about 45 or 50 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. He lived maybe 30 miles from the track, but he did it every weekend. Yeah, he just passed away. That's 
another legend. Arnie, the other guy was Arnie the Farmer Beswick, and this was Palmer Lazarus who, who dressed like a farmer. Arnie never dressed like a farmer, but Palmer Lazarus did. Who else is out of your area there that uh, that's that's well known that you run that you still see from time to time? Oh, Animal Jim. Oh yeah. Uh, Lake, oh yeah, the old guy with the uh, the Edsels and the Mercury's. Uh huh. He still runs. I saw him uh, at the trade show back in uh, March, and he has that. Uh, he still he has the Mercury restored, and he's got that the little. Uh, not a Zephyr, but uh, uh, a little square-looking Ford. You mean like a Fairmont? Or what year was Fairmont. it? Fairmont, yeah, the Fairmont. Fairmont. That's what it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he runs like six seconds with that Fairmont. Jeez. What kind of engines is he running under the hood? John Cozzi. Oh, okay. Kenny. Gotcha. Very expensive stuff. He's from a farmland. Uh-huh. I was talking to uh, Ward Blazer a while back, and he was telling me, I don't know if you remember, did he ever mention to you a guy by the name of Leldon Blackwell? Leldon Blackwell and him both came down in the 70s. They're both local people here now. I mean, you know, transplants, if you want to use the term. And uh, he was a big racer, and I was. He, they just happened to have a uh, swap meet at his house. Not just, well, I swap meet, garage sale. So I wandered in his shop or his, or his house. He's got like a probably a 2,000 square foot garage behind his house. And he had some interesting stuff in there. He had a 47 Ford convertible, I believe was in there with a little bit of stuff done to it under the hood, a flathead. He had some other miscellaneous uh, stuff laying around. He had a yeah, big, uh, he had a Cadillac motor sitting there that was kind of hot rotted up a little bit. Uh, just countless uh, flathead stuff. And, uh, and he had a real interesting box of uh, old, uh, uh, decals, which I kind of went through some original Norris cams, uh, Isky, uh, stuff, uh, a couple of STP stickers, which I grabbed those. I bought those off him, and uh, some other miscellaneous things. Uh, let's see, what else did he have? Uh, some early Edelbrock uh, decals. Some early. When I say early, I'm talking, you know, probably the 60s, 70s, because the decals have changed a little bit since then. So, you know, for all you guys out there listening, you know, a lot of that stuff's collectible. So, you know, I mean, oh, sure, yeah. you can find it on eBay from time to time, and maybe some on Craigslist and some of these other websites. But if you get that kind of stuff, uh, it still has some nostalgic value to it, particularly if you're yeah. building an old race car. My son and I were doing a swap meet here in northern Illinois, and we had about 50 pounds of decals. 50 uh, pounds? What, some old stuff like, you had laying around? Oh, yeah, from 40 years ago. Oh, no Played kidding. It's Harlan, Harmon Collins, uh, uh, all the old stuff from California, the racer brown stuff, uh-huh. the real decals from them. So my son Eric, uh, some guy comes along and he says, oh, I'm from a school. He said, we're looking to buy some decals. And my son thought he was doing me a real good favor. He <laughs> sold a whole box of decals for 50 bucks. <laughs> probably, in, probably in pieces. One of the time we could have got 5000 Oh, my. He Heck sold yeah. the whole thing. I didn't yell at him. 50 bucks was 50 bucks. But I'd, I'd accumulated them over the years. Just kept throwing them in a box, you know. Hey, Amazing. Bob, I got to take a little break here just for a second. Um, Lee, what do we got queued okay. up real quick? Hang on a second, Bob. Don't go away, okay? We're just gonna, I'm just okay. going to do like a little station break here. For all you guys, you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. This is uh, the Tan Talk Radio Network, AM 1340. I have a special guest, Bob, from Chicago on the phone. So uh, right after this little song, we're going to take a break for just a second, and then uh, we're going to resume our, our talk. So hang in there. Don't anybody leave, and stay tuned, all right? So your bound and gagged, and they've chained him to a chair. 
back with nostalgic radio and cars and our special guest this evening is uh bob from the chevy shop in chicago so bob you still there i'm still here okay i played that song for you chicago since we're talking about oh, chicago yeah. hey was there ever a guy you were asking me a question once about racing at soldier field where the bears play yeah uh-huh i used to run the usac races there thursday night friday night saturday uh some of the old well-known usac stock car racers roger ward Paul Goldsmith, Roger McCluskey. Uh, the short track racers, there was a guy that raced in the south side of Chicago, uh, Raceway Park, Bob Pronger. Kind of a uh, controversial guy. He didn't race that much, but when he did, he always won. He's at Soldier Field one night, and this guy, Rick Clake and his cousin, Tom Ferrario, they built this 64 Chevelle bodied stock car. And this thing was kicking butt everywhere it went. And he says, I, I want to buy that car. And uh, they said, Well, we, we can't sell you this car. We just built it. He says, I'll give you 12000 for it right now. And then Tommy's going, You know what? 12000 Ooh. 12000 was like 50000 then, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, the promoter. 
He said, they want to write me a check. He goes, I'll back up his check. That's Bob Pronger. Take his check. I'll back it up. Pronger was a real big, tall guy. Always wore black pants, white shirt, white tie. And in them days, you know, you didn't have driving suits. You had a helmet. You stuck your arm out the window with a chain and the way you went. <laughs> Took this car around the three-eighths track there at Soldier Field and got used to it. Went out there and he won the fast heat. Got in the feature, won the feature. Got out of the car. He says, car's for sale. Sold the car to some guy at Raceway Park. Drove it one time. And Pronker uh, was controversial. They said he had a shady background. And uh, I was at Raceway Park one night on a Wednesday night. And I, Where's Pronger? Where's Pronger? Where's Pronger? He pulled up in the in the pit. Never even the, the outside parking lot. Never even got in the pit. He took his car off the trailer, drove it inside, went out there, won the fast heat, won the feature, pulled his car back out, and uh, it was on June fifth. I think maybe nineteen nineteen eighty one maybe. Uh huh. He pulled the thing back out. Put the thing back up on his car hauler. And he disappeared, and uh, no one ever saw Pronger again. And that night, he had a bullet come through the windshield of his car Oof. in the in the parking lot out there. So about three weeks later, they found a a body in a field near Griffith, Indiana, and uh, someone had uh, cut the feet off, the hands, and the head. And it was black pants, white shirt, black tie. Ouch! And they said, "Well, no." No one can say, say it's Pronger, but that's the kind of clothes he wore, and it was a big body. And the typical joke, pretty sad joke, maybe I shouldn't even say this, but uh. he said, we know it's Pronger, we know it's Pronger. How could you tell it's Pronger? Well, even the rats didn't eat him. Oh, that's bad. That's yeah, bad. he was the nicest man in the world to me, do anything for you. If you were a racer and you were a winner, man, he... he he would, he was any way he could help you. We 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 couldn't race at that track because we had Nova bodies and you had to have a full size body when you raced out there. And he says he says I'll have a full size body for you at your garage tomorrow. You come out here and race and blow these guys away. We only raced there once and got put in the wall and the car got zed. Whatever happened to it, it straightened the chassis out and that thing went on and won like eight races in a row. The way it got tweaked, we don't know what it did. The way it cocked the rear end or whatever happened. That car went out and won every race he got in. Wow. But, uh, Bob Pronger was a controversial guy, but uh, he was one of the nicest gentlemen in the world if he liked you. Very nice guy, very helpful. Do anything for you. Hey, was there a guy out of your area called Ed Rajansky or something like that? Does that name ring a bell? Ed Rajansky. Yeah. <clears throat> he had a uh, uh, factory... Comet. Comet or one of them, like Pete Gates had, one of them uh, little convertibles. Uh-huh. Ed Roshansky, 427 Tunnel Port. One of them, fat, Pete Gates. Uh, uh, who was the other guys that had that? Gas Ronda. They had those uh, factory, they were Fairlanes or, I think they called them Comets. Oh, they were F they had, AFX cars you're talking about? Factory yeah, AFX cars, yeah. Right, mm -hmm. Yeah, he, they they were 12, 12 second cars in their day, which was pretty impressive because that was fast. 
Was he from your area too, up around Chicago? Yeah, outside of Chicago, yeah. Uh huh. So he was sponsored by what? One of the Ford Mercury dealerships, wasn't he, or something? I I don't know. Every time I saw the car, it was just a plain, you know, reddish colored car with that hood scoop on it. That reverse hood scoop, like a yeah, teardrop looking thing. Yes, exactly. That was exactly. it. Hey, you also did a little, uh, to digress a little bit, from race cars and stock cars and drag race cars, you did some uh, go-kart race, or not go-kart, dra- uh, mini dragsters or something like that? Tell us a little bit oh, about yeah, that. Was my, my son and daughter were involved in the junior dragsters, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was really a lot of fun. So what was that like? Tell us about that a little bit. How did that all come about? Uh, actually, uh, I was at the PRI show. And a guy named Al DePozo, a funny car driver, he was sponsored by Wolverine uh, Camshafts. And uh, in their display there, they had a uh, Art Morrison Junior Dragster, which was juniors were just starting to race. And it was painted like DePozo's funny car. And uh, his shop was uh, in uh, Highland Park, Illinois. And I stopped by there one day with my son. And I says, you like this? And he, yeah. <laughs> he was like seven years old at the time. And uh, we were going to buy that Art Morrison car, but instead I had one built by a guy named Woody Mays who who uh, built the first four-second top fueler. Uh, trying to think of the name of the first guy to run four seconds. But he had built that thing. And uh, we uh, we got got a car from him and then Later on, I met a guy to, out of Michigan and New York that built better little cars. And we wound up uh, getting little junior dragsters. We we had to make everything go fast in them days, but I, I still have a bunch of ET slips in the glove box of my truck that I showed to current people today. They're, they're restricted to 790. I said, oh, how'd you like this? Some of these six-second passes in 2002. And a junior dragster in the eighth mile at 104 miles an hour. Oh, you're now. <laughs> yeah, we we used to go to the track and put the quarter mile clocks on so that the track owner wouldn't get in trouble for because people would call in and complain to IHRA and NHRA that we we were doing that illegal. So we would run the quarter mile clock, and uh, you know, I'm running equivalent of high ten seconds. Some little things. In a quarter mile, he has got multiple, multiple trophies. We won a couple of top field championships. Uh, got involved in the index racing, his 790 index, set of bracket racing, travel all over the country. I don't know how many. I bet you we've been to 20 different tracks to run juniors. Then the guy that built the engines and the clutches, we did a lot of R&D for him and uh had a lot of fun doing it. Spent a lot. Of, spent a lot of money. I don't. I haven't followed it. I don't know if that's still doing real good today or not. Well, I know down here at. Uh, um, I'm trying to think where I was at at uh, one of the drag strips. Um, they they still do that a little bit. Um, a friend of mine, I think he's doing that with his daughter right now, and uh, they're they're pretty serious about that here too. I don't know what kind of times they're turning right now because I really didn't stick around to watch, but I did see the cars set up. I mean, back in the I day. Heard- when when your daughter was doing it and and your son Eric, uh, so were they? She's what two years younger than than Eric? 
You no, know? she's 19 and Eric's 24. Okay, but no, but back when they were racing, they were a couple of years apart, right? So they were, but they both did junior drag racing, right? Right. Yeah. So what yeah, ca- we ran, uh, we ran uh, a sixteenth mile three thirty race because the cars were getting so fast, you couldn't even run an eighth mile anymore. You had to run a sixteenth mile. They called it three thirty racing. What but you could only maybe get twenty thirty people in that class when you went out of state. So what and, uh, what kind of engines were you running back then? You know, so for some of our listeners that are not really familiar with uh, junior drag racing and might have an well, interest it in it. Started off with a stock Briggs and Stratton, and then you had the uh, Briggs and Stratton. Uh, uh, what the heck do they call that thing? Blockzilla. Blockzilla. And out this guy just first built these uh, Rhino blocks. We were walking through the PRI show, and we ran across. Uh, Zeus Manufacturing, he's the guy that first made the uh, circle Zeus. track stuff for the new Mopar. They were out of England. Mm-hmm. They had a place in South Carolina. And a friend of mine says, you make small engines too? And he goes, yeah. He says, I got a blueprint for a block. Think you could make it? And this guy, Craig Blossom, out of Michigan, uh, brought him the blueprints to make this block called the Rhino. It was a billet junior dragster block and that's that's the mainstay for all racing today the rhino that thing god you can yeah oh my god it's just bulletproof what kind of a displacement and what kind of horsepower do they do those engines put out well most of them are all around 30 to 40 horsepower those rhinos uh-huh but i mean some of them with the big foreign stroke cranks and big bores yeah the block you can bore it and do whatever you want and, uh, you know, 56 to 70 horsepower out of a single cylinder. The first real killer engine that, that Craig built for me, he put the, the sleeve in on a big angle so we could run gigantic valves in it. And I kept blowing a head gasket. And I called him from the track one night, and he says, don't let this guy see it. Don't let that guy see it. <laughs> when he sees that the valves we had were a quarter inch bigger than everybody else, he says, cover up the engine, cover up the engine. Kind of like Bob Glidden covering up his intake manifold. <laughs> <laughs> we kept blowing heads, and I uh, I went over to a motorcycle shop that bought some stuff called Honda Bond. I put it on there, and I glued the head down, and you couldn't get the head off no more. <laughs> pound it off. That's how good that stuff worked for your turbo motors. We, we had built a turbocharged Briggs. A guy from Chicago here, Mr. Turbo, we took a... Uh, turbocharger off of the new VW, Makuni uh-huh. carburetor, made our own little 12-volt oiling system for the turbo. And uh, we, with the clutch they got, it's like a snowmobile clutch, we could stall the engine at like 6,000, so the thing was in two pounds of booster ready. The first time that the, the kid went out and hit the throttle, we blew the cylinder head straight in the air about 50 feet, <laughs> ripped the head studs out. If that was five sixteen studs, then we made him three eighths, then we made him seven sixteenths, and then O ring the block, glued it on there, and uh, never really got it to run good. We just, I mean, it ran low six seconds in the eighth mile, but uh, I, I think would have run into fives if we would have had more time to develop it. But it was illegal, so you know you could only do that on a Tuesday or Wednesday night and run the quarter-mile clocks not to get the track owner in that trouble, you know? Uh-huh. Very, I got all kinds of videos and crap of that. 
But the video with that cylinder head going straight in the air is like a bomb going off three real areas. Did any of those were, were any of those ever nitrous? Uh, oh yeah, we ran nitrous too. That, did you? Yeah, that blows the head gasket. Okay. And one time we uh, we we got get, it's down in St. Louis at Gateway. We ran two cars down there, a bracket car and the top fuel car. And I remember we were in line going round and round and round. They called me over. We had to bring our black car over there to the tech. They made us take the fuel tanks off, the carburetors off. All that Eric did was have a nitrous bottle clamped to the frame. He didn't have anything hooked. That wasn't legit. Mm -hmm. Everyone cried, babies are complaining. We're running nitrous. We're running fuel. We never ran fuel. We never cheated. We borrowed fuel from someone else and went quicker. Huh. These guys are running propylene oxide and nitro, and we never had it. You could tell at nighttime with the orange flame coming out. Uh -huh. We just had regular alcohol. What kind There's of a guy in Florida rolling the woods, owns that CSR company on, in McAlpin, Florida. Uh -huh. his, his daughter and son races today. They're real, real nice people, rolling woods. Great, great guy, real good racer. They, they own a... I think in Valdosta, Georgia, they bought a track, or they bought the Albany track in Albany, Georgia, U.S. 19. They're, they're from northern Florida. They're uh, real super people as far as racing goes, and quality people. But he owns that CSR company. It used to be CSI, now it's CSR. Good, huh. good people. Hey, Bob, I just, I just got the uh, four-minute warning here, so I'm going to have to let you go again. But... Uh, Please stay in touch, and then I thank you for calling in. you got some great stories. Uh, if you get a chance and you're sitting around thinking of some more good old stuff, because everybody loves to listen to these old stories. You know, my listening audience is usually, I mean, age bracket-wise, it's like from, you know, 40s to like 75 to 80-year-old guys. So, you know, they like listening to all this nostalgia stuff. And even though you can get it off the Internet and you can, uh, you know, you can pick it up in magazines, but there's something nice about you know, just sitting. It's kind of like a fireside chat. You know, we're just sitting around here. We're talking about this old nostalgia stuff, and it's kind of cool. And I find it interesting. I mean, for me, it's just neat as can be. But uh, anyway, I got to let you go. I thank you for uh, tuning in. And, hey, Robert. And uh, say listening to me. I'll do that. Yeah. Well, thank you for calling in. And uh, yeah, we love listening to you. So uh, come up with some more good stories, some, and then uh, say hi to everybody up there in Chicago for me. And then maybe you can find uh, some other. Uh, maybe somebody find some. Well, maybe we'll do a conference. Uh, show one time we have like two or three guys up your way some old timers and we can talk about some really cool old stories and stuff so uh but anyway okay. i'm gonna let you go thanks for calling okay thank you bye. bye all right ladies and gentlemen you were just tuned in to nostalgic radio and cars when i say ladies and gentlemen i mean that sincerely uh but uh it's time to take a few minutes to thank some of our sponsors i want to say hi to uh jim and sharon at ice cold air discount auto repair they're down here on 1180 court street they still got their 1995 oil changes, and they're still doing a free AC check. So if you get a chance, go over there and give them a shout. Say hi to them. Be sure to mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and uh, you might get a little uh, you might get a little perk there. But anyway, their number is 461-5727. And then, of course, it's uh, Wednesday, so it's almost pizza night. So, you know, say hi to my friends over there at Bro's Pizza, 441-6025. They're in downtown Clearwater. And uh, if you want to buy it by the box, buy it by the slice, they got my opinion, the best pizza in town, you know, and I'm, of course, I'm partial and I'm biased, but their pizza's excellent. So hi to uh, Fred and Ulti over there. Uh, hopefully, uh, uh, you'll be you'll be swamped in a few minutes with everybody running over there. And then, of course, I want to say hello to uh, Pete over at Magnolia Valley Golf Club because I know there's some car guys out there that play golf, 
And uh, they're up in Newport Ritchie. The phone number over there is uh, 727-847-2342. That's uh, Pete at Magnolia Valley Golf Club. And, of course, I want to say hello to uh, Lefty at Kotakis Towing. So if you need to be towed uh, from point A to point B or just a little service check or something like that, give Lefty a call over there at Kotakis Towing, 447-1952. And, of course, you know, hey, Lee, one minute. Okay, cool. Let's, uh, you know, I know you, you might not go to the drag strip, but what you could do is you could go down to uh, Clearwater Beach and go visit my friends down there at uh, Krabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill. Say hi to Turtle and Eddie. Eddie, if you're listening tonight. Uh, they're on Clearwater Beach. The phone number down there is 727-210-0988. Be sure to mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you'll get a free beverage. But you got to mention that you heard this ad on Nostalgic Radio and Cars. All right? And uh, that's uh, Krabby's Beach Walk Bar and Grill. That's on the main part of the beach. That's right there across from the uh, um, Barefoot. Uh, oh, that's a little little store over there. I can't even remember the name. It escapes me right now. But anyway, um, but uh, it's right there on the main beach on uh, on the in the Beach Walk area on Golfview Boulevard, so uh, go see these guys down there at Krabby's Beach Walk Bar and Grill, and uh, we're about out of here and out of time, and I'm heading over to the drag strip, so thanks for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and we'll see you next week. Keep it safe.